Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Damn, I feel like we haven't recorded one of these in like, I don't know, two weeks. Weird. Um it was two weeks. What's 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 been up? What's been going down? What's been flipping all around? We got like a foot of snow last night. What the hell is that all about? Yeah, it's, uh, what do we get? It's predicted six inches. We ended up getting eleven. The, this is the, you know, fifty percent of the time they get it wrong, and the other fifty percent of the time they get it way wrong. And this time it was in the other way. Usually they're telling us that we're gonna get a foot of snow and we get like three inches. This time, uh, this time I woke up and I'm like, holy shit! My dog didn't want to go outside, and I don't have a small dog. Yeah, well, <clears throat> my dog. Husky thinks it's home, so yeah, we're just, out all morning. Just cuddled up on the back porch, rolled up in snow. Like, all right, we're good. I'm good with this. Yep, I'm feeling a good wind burn. My face is just, you know, it feels hot. Have you seen uh have you seen all the, the new protests coming from this uh guy that got beat up by these cops in Missouri? The black yep. dude that got beat got, up? Yeah, he got his ass beat by like five cops. Mm, is that the same one I'm thinking? There was a 
I thought there was a black dude that got killed by four black cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he died. He ended up oh. dying. He ended up dying, but he got okay. his, but I think he died from injuries sustained from the beating. Oh boy, so it's black on black, so how does that fit the narrative? Uh well so that's at least I would like to give props to the I guess the people that are still outraged, even though it was black on black, because it was not a race crime. It was a police, police brutality. brutality. Okay. And so they're still acting, you know, they're still acting out. They're still protesting. They're still, which my thing is, is like, I understand, I understand you're upset. Um, the blocking of federal highways is, is, is one that I'm like, come on. Like, oh, yeah, that doesn't do anything. You know, it also does is piss off the average American person at you, not necessarily yeah. get them in line with you, which I guess if they're, if their whole idea is just to make people aware of it, but everybody's aware, trust me, like everybody knows it happened. Yeah, you don't, you know, doing that and stopping ambulances and, you know, stopping parents from get, being able to get home and get their kids and 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 that kind of stuff. All that's doing is is taking the average American person and just pissing them off at, at your selfishness. Yeah. So I didn't see any videos or anything, so I really can't comment on it. I don't know if it was if they really did beat him up. If I mean, it's, he was it, it, resisting arrest. I mean, what was the crime? I don't th- know. Anything. There was, there was, I don't know what the crime was. I saw part of the video. There's, there is some resisting, but they're definitely like they're, they're beating his ass. They're not just, they're not just getting him under control. They're not just getting him in cuffs They're, I mean, they're swinging on him. Hmm. So, you know, and who knows? I don't know. I, who knows what the backstory is just like, there's good and bad everybody. There's good and bad cops. Like, let's face it. Do you see this? This yeah. did you see this hoe in Tennessee? No. The the chick that was taking all the dick from all the different officers. She was in an open relationship. Oh, I've seen some memes. But she was taking. A, she was. She was in an open relationship with her husband. She forgot to tell him that she was in an open relationship. But she was in an open relationship with her husband. And uh, is that really an open relationship then? No, it's not. That's the joke. <laughs> um, and she was just taking dick from any every other officer on the force that would give it to her. Like four of them got uh, got fired. And two of them are on administrative leave or whatever. Wow. Um, they were doing it like in the gym, and they were doing it on on hours and. Oh yeah. So that's the backstory to that. I, I've seen some memes pop up. Yeah, that's the that's the backstory. Now, oh. to be fair, to be fair, she's probably a freak, right? And her husband's name is Jedediah, and he's a park ranger. So there's no way he's slanging the good dick. So she was probably just like, I just need some of that good, good, and she was looking for it. So you're saying, they're saying park rangers don't sling a good dick, or what? I mean, I mean Jedediah. I just, I just feel like Jedediah. I feel like he's he's destined from from <laughs> oh, birth come to just on, man. <laughs> not be able to swing the stick the right way. Oh man! I mean, I you know, I guess I text my brother. I'm like, man, I guess like, how do you know if you got the best candy bar if you've only ever tried one candy bar? She was just trying some candy bars, and he writes back, if dicks were candy bars, she'd weigh 400 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> man. I did not um, know that. That's so, yeah. So, like, I, I guess, like, the reason I brought that up, other than the fact that it's a hilarious story, is uh, cops are just people, too. And there's good people and there's bad people. And there's good cops and bad cops and good doctors and bad doctors and good lawyers and bad lawyers and bad yeah. politicians and bad politicians. I guess so. I mean, have you ever seen uh, Chris Rock's rendition of uh, um, police brutality on YouTube? I don't think I have. Oh, really? No. Uh, is it pretty good? Listeners, if you have not seen it, it's actually pretty damn good. Got to watch it. Um, 
okay, we took a we took a public service break to watch the Chris Rock video because I've never seen it. And yeah, that's pretty much right. Use common sense, obey the law, shut the fuck up. You might not get your ass beat. <laughs> so if you're looking for it, go on YouTube. It's Chris Rock, how not to get your ass kicked by the police. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Don't ride with an angry woman because she'll say anything just to see you get your ass beat by the cops. Get a white friend. Yeah. Dude, oh, I don't know, anyway. but either either way, it, I mean, it, it, it is fucked up. Like, you are four guys, five guys. You should, probably shouldn't have to assault somebody to the level yeah. of them dying to get them subdued. And if you, are, if you do have to, you probably needed a lot more training. And was he armed? I don't know. I, just, I, I don't know the whole story, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's hard to comment on. Um, other than that, is there anything else? It's been two weeks. So I was at the beach, South Carolina. Yep. Folly beach, South Carolina. What a nice little spot that is. It's funny because all these beach towns are, are trying to regulate the Airbnb industry, right? Um, really? Oh yeah. Because the, the people that live there don't want every single house to be bought up by tourists because the thing is, is property values skyrocket. So there's no way that you can even you know, keep your property at a, at a realistic value. Um, because if you can make, you know, 10 grand a month or 20 grand a month on rentals, then you can pay a lot more for a property. Yeah. So then all of a sudden there will be no more like properties available for people that just want to live by the beach. It'll all be fucking, you know, rich people buying these places up to Airbnb them and, and make money on them. And so we were, we were dealing with that, not dealing with it, but there, there was, a big, you know, signs all over vote, no vote. Yes. And all these different people had their opinion on whether they should cap the amount of short-term rental licenses wow. they were issuing. And and we even see it around here at lake houses. It's, exp- it's especially water houses, you know, whether ocean beach or, um, lakes. Yeah. I know, um, Lake Redstone up by where I grew up is all they've, if you had a license prior, it's grandfathered in. Otherwise, there's no, there'll be no more issued. So you can't Airbnb a place on that lake anymore. Oh. Other than if you already had the the ability to do it. Jeez, let's just buy a house and renovate the downstairs and Airbnb half of it. I don't know if you can do that. I think oh, that you still have to have a short term. I think you still have to have a short term rental mm-hmm. license. I don't think you have to. I don't think it's only if you're renting the whole place out. But I know, you know. Rich people do rich people shit, right? I know a few guys that have purchased like eight unit apartment complexes in these little beach towns that were like yeah. dumps, refurbished them all, kicked everybody out, redid them all, made them nice, and now they're it's basically an Airbnb hotel. Wow! But it was an apartment, you know, it was just a little shitty eight unit apartment prior to that. Yeah. And now it's a you know now it's an Airbnb hotel. Hey, I don't know. <clears throat> Ingenuity can't stop that. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. I don't. I don't know what the right answer is because, at some point, at some point, do you flood the market and then the prices go down on the Airbnbs, or Maybe. do these places eventually go back to the bank and then people are able to buy them really cheap because the economy crashes and nobody's going on beach vacations? Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be tough. In the next six months, you're gonna see a lot of that uh, happen. People are gonna run out of. Uh... Liquid cash to uh, just go out and spend. Have you looked at your natural gas bill this month? Yeah, it skyrocketed 50%, up, dude. 50% in one month. Yeah. The price of gas went up 50% I was in just one like, month. like, what the hell? 35 cents to 51 cents. 
52 cents. When I look at the usage, they're claiming the usage went up. Like they're correlating the usage with the price on We Energy site. So they're saying they're saying overall usage went up, and that's why the price skyrocketed. uh, If you go on We Energy site and you go look at your bill, it shows you the usage, and I'm like, there's no way that I ramped. So if you look down, if you look down, there's an actual price of gas. Just the price of gas went from 35 cents per term to 52 cents per term. That's yeah. a 50% increase. So it doesn't matter if you use more or not. If if it went up and you use more, then your bill is going to be that much higher. Yeah. But like our usage was the same and our bill is still that much higher. Yeah. Because I don't it, think my usage was up at all. And it was, it showed, the graph was showing that it was up. And I'm like, hmm, I think I, I can figure out that the gas went up. Oh yeah, I mean, it, you should you should be able to break it down as to the amount of terms that you use this year, this month versus last month, yeah. and then this year versus last year. But I mean, I think we're gonna I'll take a look at it. We're gonna see that we're gonna see that everywhere. We're gonna see that in everything. I know. I just just read an article that gas is gonna go back up over four bucks a gallon soon. Yep, it's creeping up right now. I don't know. It's gonna be weird. Wages are not going up. Everything else is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's gonna stall a lot of buying power in the next few months here. I mean, you got interest rates or going up and everything else is going up eggs apparently are going way up yeah we got to take a we got to take a business loan um here in the next few weeks and it's going to be seven seven and a half percent which I, the yeah. weird thing is is that's like a that's like a normal interest rate we're just so spoiled yeah you know well, we're spoiled home equity four and a half five percent seven and a half yeah it's seven percent yeah yeah so just keep closing that shit out and reopening the new short-term introductory rate at 2.99 percent oh yeah you just got to be able to pay it off yeah but well, existing home equity though i mean will fluctuate up and down yeah so hopefully um so this week's podcast you're going to as i break into this and this is going to take a while for me to get all this to get all this done and this is all built off of um, the book Laptop from Hell. It is written by, um, I believe, New York Post journalist Miranda Devine. And what Miranda's story is, is she is a New York Post journalist that was emailed by Rudy Giuliani's lawyer just a few excerpts from Hunter Biden's laptop. And then just to kind of prove that they had it, And then she came in and started, she was one of many journalists that came in and started basically breaking down everything that was in the laptop. And the New York Post or the New York Times, one or the other, ended up doing a a story right before the election. And it was downplayed by all the major social medias. And because they, they, they were either trying to manipulate the election they were afraid that it would change the election in a way that they didn't agree with, or they really truly thought that it was false information because how could anybody be that dumb? Right. Yeah. And I'll get into what was in that news article, but, um, so what Miranda decided to do was take the 11 gigabytes of information, the 40,000 emails and texts and photos, and basically build a, build an archetype, build a story about the Biden family and Hunter Biden's 
business ventures, his personality, his attitude, and then how that was basically handled by the entire Biden family. And what she did is, is she went in her and she brought in a few other forensic journalists that, because if you think about like when you're looking through just, this is just a trove of information, right? So she would have to place emails and texts uh, periodically for the time that they came in and then also corroborate that with like other things because they used uh, Senate Judiciary Committee uh, interviews. They used external sources. They used interviews from um, one of Hunter Biden's um, ex-business partners who's now in jail. And they used all this stuff to corroborate the the, the stories that are here. And it's going to sound as I'm, as I'm going through this, it's going to sound like, I guess her and, and, me in particular, by the way that I'm, that I'm telling these stories that I'm here to just blast, um, Joe Biden and his family. And I think it's well partially, partially, partially I am after reading this, but I, what I really want to get as an overarching archetype for this story is the basically biasedness of our media, because if this was a Trump family, or a Bush family issue, this would have been this would have been looked into and opened up by every single journalist available that didn't work for Fox News or Newsmax. Yeah, it would have been out a year ago. It, it would have been blown up, and it would have been on every newsstand, every newspaper, every magazine, every Facebook article, everything, and and you and you would have heard about it, and. So that's the primary message that I want to get across is just you guys need to understand the bias that is in the media and you are being manipulated by the big tech and the big media to only hear and know what they want you to hear and know. And then the second thing, and this really hit me when I was going back through the book the second time, is these elite people, these elite families, these elite politicians, they play by a completely different set of rules than most of us do. And where what what really blew that one to my mind and and I'll get to it is is Hunter Biden was was caught with cocaine when he was 18. He got a possession ticket. He did pre-trial um basically therapy um, to get him, you know, unaddicted, which clearly, as you guys will see, it didn't work. Um, and he was given a six months of probation. At the same exact time, his father was co-sponsoring legislation that would lengthen and strengthen prison terms for people that get caught with drugs. And that right there is what really like click this light bulb in my head. Like we're playing a different, we're playing different games. We're playing different rules. These people aren't, they're not following by the same rules as we do. They're playing a completely different game and we're fucking paying for it. Yep. So I'll basically just get into what I have for notes. And as you guys start, you, you try to follow along, I'll try to go back and forth. Um, a few of the people that are that are in a lot of these stories, you got Hunter, who is Joe Biden's youngest son. You have Bo Biden, who is Hunter Biden's older brother. 
Uh, Bo ended up passing away, I believe, in 2018. So um, a lot of what you hear about Bo will be from the past or about Bo's widow, Haley. Um, those are the main people. And then Hunter's, I guess, ex-wife, current wife in some of the stories you will hear about. Um, but those are the main people in the in these stories. And there are some some business people that come in and out. But those are the main characters in a lot of these stories. So starts out. 1972, Joe Biden runs for Senate, and Nelia Biden, who is Joe's current wife and the mother of his three children, uh, Ashley, the youngest daughter, Hunter, the middle son, and then Bo, the oldest son, gets in a car accident on the way to the store. And Nelia, the mother, and Ashley, the sister, die. Hunter ends up in um, the hospital for a month with brain damage. Or head injuries, I guess, not brain damage, but head injuries. Yeah. And Bo ends up in the hospital for a month with um, a leg injury. Now, part of the reason that this is so, I guess, imperative or why it's important to the story is if you guys follow any of the current research on head injuries and head trauma, head trauma is directly correlated to the lack of inhibition, basically, the, the inability to control one's actions and makes people extremely dopaminergic. It stops the prefrontal cortex from being able to regulate behavior. So from a young age after this accident, it's pretty likely that Hunter was, was destined to be a little uncontrollable and a little um, aloof and given to urges and not be able to and not have much self-control. Now, there's people like that everywhere, right? We know people like that all over the world. Where it gets scary is is when you consider a massive amount of income that he was making and the amount of power that he had by being who he was. Um, that's what really made a lot of this kind of like, oh shit. Like if this was just some dude on the corner that had these issues, you wouldn't really think twice about it. But the fact that he was making sometimes one, two million dollars a year and I guess at one point in time, possibly $10 million a year um, and had enough power because of who he was, it made this an issue. So um, Joe's, I think it was Joe's mom or Nelia's mom and Joe's sister ended up taking care of the boys because Joe was sworn in in his kid's uh, hospital room. So right then and there, he took his, his senator seat and started working as a senator in Washington, D.C. The grandma and the aunt took care of the boys. And basically you had a, a, a damaged hunter for the rest of his life kind of chasing uh, the urge to, you know, he it, drugs, sex, power, all this stuff. He's just chasing for the rest of his life. Um, so where the book starts is 2019, Miranda Devine, who wrote the book, gets a test from Rudy Giuliani's lawyer. Um, over a legally obtained 11 gigabyte hard drive full of 40,000 emails, texts, and photos from Hunter Biden's laptop, which ranged from 2010 to 2019. Now, if you guys are Android people out there, this won't make as much sense. But if you are Apple people, you will understand that your applications are all linked from one device to another device to another device. So what happened was Hunter brought in three laptops that were all damaged, left them at a, left them at a computer shop. 
Two of them were completely destroyed. The guy couldn't get anything out of them. The other one, the guy was able to clone the hard drive, put it on another Mac and access everything. So the guy contacts Hunter and says, I, this is what I got. Um, come get it. Uh, Hunter does nothing, doesn't reply, doesn't call the guy back, doesn't come and get him. And in the contract, it states that anything dropped off and left past 90 days becomes ownership uh, or becomes owned by the the company, the, the, the laptop repair company or the computer repair company. So the guy waits the full 90 days. And then he kind of had seen as he was going through and and repairing this hard drive, he had kind of seen some of the types of documents that were that were on this laptop. So at 90 days, he starts to dig in and he starts to look up some things um, just on a search file. And it's like, holy shit, he starts to see some crazy stuff, some crazy pictures, crazy text messages, crazy emails. Now, this guy is a Republican voter. So he reaches out to the FBI. He says, I have this laptop. This is at the time where, where Joe... I think it's around then when Joe is like blasting Donald Trump for corruption and talking about Russia and talking about China. And this guy is like, this is ridiculous. He calls the FBI, the FBI. He doesn't hear anything. He makes another call. I believe a month or two later, the FBI finally comes and I think they took the original laptop. Well, he's a smart guy, right? So he back, he has everything backed up. And I I believe the FBI even made a comment when they were picking it up. Usually nothing happens to anyone that has something like this as long as they stay quiet. It was a comment, something to that effect, right? And the guy is waiting and waiting for something to come out, waiting. Nothing happens. So he's like, I need to do something with this information. So he emails Rudy Giuliani, just his direct email. And Rudy Giuliani actually has a lawyer who intermittently goes through his emails and the guy is, is apparently from what Miranda says in this book, the guy is, is almost a, um, almost an idiot savant with being able to see this is bullshit. This is bullshit. This needs to be looked at. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Right? So like he, he gloms onto this right away and, and narrows in on it and says, all right, I need to figure this out. So he gets a hold of this guy. He gets a copy of the hard drive. And he starts digging into it. That's when he reaches out to multiple reporters because he sees the crazy information that's in here. And from there, Miranda Devine is one of the reporters that he reached out to. And he just sends her three quick photos, one of Hunter with a crack pipe in his mouth, one of him passed out with the crack pipe um, next to him, and then another one of some new tattoo he got. And He's got all these photos in his iPhoto, right? And so they're on the hard drive of the computer. He's got his text messages backed up to iMessage. So those are saved on the computer. And he's got his emails that go between all of his different devices. And those are saved on the computer. So basically they have all of his life from 2010 to 2019. I clouded, huh? Yeah. And saved on the computer. So she goes and she starts looking into this. And she is not she is not necessarily going to jump in and just write a quick story, but the New York post releases a story a few months later, which in the New York post, one of the biggest things that they highlight is this issue, which a lot of people know about when I've been like, Holy shit, but I never heard about it. Joe, the emails in this report show that Joe met with the head of this corrupt Ukrainian energy company. Um, 
who Hunter sits on their board and gets paid a million dollars a year just to sit on their board, never answers emails, never goes to meetings, never does anything. He's just a board member and he's paid a million dollars a year. So he sets up an, a meeting between Joe and the head of this corrupt Ukrainian energy company. Eight months later, public records show that Joe flies to Kiev and threatens to withhold $8 billion, or no, uh, sorry, not eight, a billion dollars in United States aid to Ukraine unless the federal prosecutor, Victor Shokin, who is looking into Burisma, the corrupt um, uh, energy company for corruption, unless he's fired. So he's going to hold United States funding unless the guy that's looking into this corruption gets fired. The guy gets fired and Hunter keeps his position as board member for a million dollars a year. Yeah. So this comes out as a full news story. They highlight all of this in the New York Post. It goes gangbusters for like a few hours the first morning that it's released. And then... Twitter and Facebook openly downplayed in their algorithm. So it's basically put out as false information. It gets dropped in the algorithm. It doesn't get spread into other people's feeds. And the the story kind of dies because at this point in time, we're in the middle of election season. I think this is week. This is a week or a day before the first big debate. Right? Yeah. So now, isn't that a crime? You would think so. Post-election, they come out and say, oh, we're sorry, we didn't think that that information was legally obtained or or whether it was legally vetted. So we did not want to spread misinformation. So in the, in the idea of not spreading misinformation, we accidentally downplayed um, some real information, right? So she sees, she sees that this is how it's going to go if this is, if this is just dropped as minor news stories, right? And so she decides she's going to go in and write this book. So she brings in multiple forensic journalists who basically tear into 11 gigabytes of files and try to build this story about the Biden family. So everything in here in the book, she says, is taken from the content of the laptop, forensic evidence, state inquiries, and corroborated by outside individuals like Hunter's former business partners in jail. The story starts in 2018. Hunter was spending six weeks to get away from his hectic life. He's cooking crack on the Chateau Marmot stove and his $850 a night, $850 a night bungalow banging hookers. One specific day, he spends a thousand dollars to shore up his cam site from, uh, or his cam account for the cam, uh, cam girl site, steam Ray, And Wells Fargo starts sending him repeated text messages that he was over his $65,000 limit. At the same time, his wife and uncle are texting him, harassing him for money because their bills are stacking up. To get him off his back, he emails his wealth advisor to wire $99,000 to his uncle for bills and $75,000 to himself to reload his piggy bank. Hunter then decides to go over his, his accounts that was supposed to contain $5 million. Um, this $5 million was taken from this skeezy energy deal from with this Chinese energy company, which we'll get to. That'll be one of the last stories that I cover. Um, but he finds a random $2 million transfer out of his account. Now, he circles it. He underlines it multiple times and sends a picture to his, to his wealth manager that says, why? 
Now, as you start to see how this family is set up, you can speculate. I will not say it's for sure because we don't, there has never been any corroborative evidence to show that this is how the family is set up. But through all these emails, through stories of people that you, that that know the family, what it looks like is that Joe set up his family with basically two arms. Bo went into politics. So Bo was an attorney. Bo then went in to be a attorney general and was supposed to go the politic angle, whereas Hunter was an attorney and was supposed to go the business angle. Hunter would basically peddle all the influence that the political arm of the family had, he would make all this money and then half of it would go back to fund the family. So that's what my speculation is of this $2 million fee, $2 million transfer out of his account. But there's no saying that that's exactly what happened. It's just, you know, where did it go? So he's all pissed off. He sees that $2 million are out of his account. He's down to 500,000 in a, in a, uh, money market account and then a few hundred thousand in his regular checking account. So he contacts an escort agency, finds a high end call girl, calls her over. Right. And this is all in his text messages, brings her over one night, bleeds into the next day and she's ready to get paid. So her fee for the day is $8,000 for one good day of work. Not too bad, huh? So, okay. Rewinding. So Hunter is married. Uh, in 2018, he would have been getting a divorce. Oh. But yeah. he, he did, he'd done this his whole life. So, yes. Well. So he gets this. She she wants her eight grand. He first tries to add someone from Emerald Fantasy Girls, which is her parent company, and, and add them on Zelle and try to transfer it. It doesn't work. Wells Fargo sends him a fraud detection alert, which we all have gotten those, right? When you, when they think that your credit card is fraudulent. So this is all stuff that they see these fraud detection alert, fraud detection alert. This is how they're, this is how they're building this narrative off of, off of his text messages and his emails. Um, He tries a bunch of different credit cards until he finally finds one that works. He's sleeping a few, a few more of the transactions that he thought didn't go through actually ended up going through probably because they said, is this you? And he didn't reply. So they eventually ended up transferring the money. Right. A total over the next 12 hours is about $25,000. She texts him and says, uh, happy to see so much money in my account, but karma is a bitch. So tell me where to transfer it back and I'll transfer the extra money back. And she transferred most of it back. Whatever. Not a big deal? I don't know. It sort of starts to build this, this, this personality of who Hunter Biden is. But not that big of a deal where it gets really weird is two guys who reportedly were retired within months of this act to action from the secret service show up at the hotel. So how would they know? Because Hunter Biden is not under secret service protection. Right. So how do they know? Well, they likely know that this happened because one of the credit cards that Hunter tried using when he was all cracked out, trying to find eight grand is a, is an account that he has with his father. Yeah. So then they get flagged of this fraudulent protection. Now it's really kind of fucking wonky because the guy that they specifically name in these emails and in these text messages, quote unquote, retired three weeks before this happened from the LA field office. Hmm. So 
And so he, he, he's texting things like H come down. We're in the lobby. And he texts one thing. This is linked to Celtics account. Come down. Celtics is Biden's code name with the secret service. So the guy specifically refer says this is linked to, to Celtics account. So why does Hunter have a credit card that is linked to Joe Biden? Right. So this is, this is building the, the, the narrative of how the, how the family is set up. Um, after that, the, the secret service agents get to Hunter's room. So we have nothing else because that would not be recorded. Right. We only have the forensic evidence of what's on the laptop. But then later that night, it shows that Hunter is logged into an encrypted government site on and off until 4 AM, probably messaging with his father. And the next day he books a first class flight to DC. So that is, that's, that's kind of the first story the book opens up with. And then it starts to go back into the history of the Bidens and it starts talking about people like this guy named Joe Cooper. Joe Cooper was a, was a key Biden donor in the early years um, in, because Joe was a, was a Senator from Delaware before he was ever a vice president. And this Joe Cooper made millions of dollars from asbestos mitigation, which is basically just processing asbestos out of old buildings. And you need to get paid. uh, You get paid a hefty, a hefty uh, sum of money to take care of this asbestos because it has to be processed and taken care of a certain way. Well, at the same time that this guy is donating a ton of money to Joe Biden's campaign, Joe uses his position in the judiciary committee to block asbestos reform which would have hamstringed the asbestos litigation uh, mitigation industry and made it much less profitable. Is it a stretch to assume that for reasons like this and many more, shortly after Biden became VP, this Joe Cooper gave Hunter a position on the board of his venture capital firm uh, and started and gave him a bunch of shares in his company that netted him somewhere around $80,000 a year plus a one-time lump sum payment of $300,000? Jeez, this guy's been skating. Is that weird? Mm, yeah. Okay. So... After Joe, after Joe landed the vice presidency, Hunter landed a no-show job with the title of counsel for the New York law firm Boys Schiller and Flexner LLP, which, after researching into that, shows that that's a Democratic organization associated with the Clintons. Hunter doesn't hold any office hours. He doesn't attend any meetings, but he's paid, and this is in an email, he's paid two hundred and sixty thousand per annum. And receives a one-time payment of three hundred thousand dollars to to be of uh, of counsel for this underground agent or this fucking law firm, right? Yeah. Other previous favors from key Biden donors include a million dollars in investment capital for Hunter and then Jim Biden, who is Joe's brother. They they started a hedge fund, so Joe ends up securing them a million dollars in funding for their hedge fund they go they go out within a year they can't they're just they're not functioning individuals the only thing they know how to do is peddle the influence and access to joe for money so when they try to go out on their own and start a hedge fund it goes debunk and they have to give all the money back um so here's where it starts to get into the, to the suggestion. And, and like I said, it seems like Joe set up the family so that Hunter would make all the money and then keep the family flush with funds. And Bo would then take over when Joe was ready to retire and keep the political 
angle so that there was more influence to pedal, right? Jeez. Fast forward a few years. Oh, sorry. Hold on. A wrench was thrown in that plan in 2015 when Bo, the older brother, died of brain cancer at age 46. Bo's wife, Haley, seemed to also be impulsive and outgoing like Hunter from the type of, of um, the, the interviews that people did about her. Yeah. And from what the laptop shows, Hunter and Bo's widow start sleeping together within weeks of Bo's death. Okay. Fast forward a few years into their on again, off again relationship. And Haley is trying to get clean after family, family members remember going to the beach house. They rent together and seeing it littered with drug pipes and paraphernalia. Hunter is back home in Maryland for a few days. He's smoking crack and stalking friends. He's accused of sleeping with Haley, including a text message that show he followed one guy named Dave to a bar and is taunting him from outside. Right. So he, at this point, he is divorcing from his wife because he's been sleeping with unnamed amount of hookers and he is basically having an affair with his sister-in-law, his brother's widow. He's freaking out. He's pissed off because Haley's trying to get clean, right? Like they're crackheads. They're actual crack addicts. Yeah. And she's trying to get clean. He's spending a thousand dollars a day on crack and he start trying to get a hold of her. Well, she has him blocked on all social media and has his phone number blocked. So what does he do? He starts texting her 13 year old daughter with things like, tell your mother to get on the phone. Damn it. Tell her to call me. So he's, he's, he's an irrational, insane, sociopathic individual, right? The funny thing here is the narrative that this book builds. Joe is that stereotypical, I guess, what would you call him? Like uh, apologetic parent, right? Like the man's 45 years old and he's still sending texts. Like Hunter sends a text. Did you hug Haley yesterday when you were there? Dad, you know, you know, she's trying to separate us or something like that. And Joe appeases this, in this, this activities, this, this thoughts he's no, didn't hug her only hug the grandkids. Like he's, he's a fucking child. Yeah. But he's 45 years old. So, um, July 3rd, a text comes in from a stripper named London Alexis. Um, she worked at a club named the empire club, which Hunter oddly didn't go to this trip back from his, from his escapade in LA. And the reason Hunter didn't go there is because London is knocked up with Hunter's child. And he wants to have nothing to do with that. Um, POS man. Some more information that was on here is like, uh, these are, these are some possible titles that he has in his notes app, his Apple notes, possible titles for a book. Um, a crackhead's guide to hotel etiquette. Why crack cocaine is better for you than vodka, but not as much fun as crack and vodka. Why crack cocaine and air travel is easy from the Delta shuttle to air force one. And it's all good brother. As long as you have a smoke buddy. So you can see the mentality of this individual, right? Um, this is where it starts to get into the text back and forth um, from Joe and Hunter. And it is like, if you imagine you had a 
13-year-old daughter who was almost erratically irrational and you were trying to appease her to try to keep her close so that you could hopefully help her one day. This is what it sounds like in text messages back and forth from Hunter to Joe. I mean, it's things like, I can't believe you, dad. You never take my side, right? A 45-year-old man. And Joe appeasing this and writing back, I will always have your side. You're my son. I will never take anyone's side against you. We'll take care of Biden's take care of each other. Shit like this, right? It's fucking ridiculous. Um, In a few emails in 2017, Hunter boasted about a three-year deal with the Chinese firm CEF that would net him $10 million a year just for introductions to powerful people. Wow. Guy works hard. He he does work hard. Um, oh, uh, did you know that Hunter Biden was in the Navy? Yeah, I don't even say it. Uh, I don't think he... He was. He was discharged. Just hold on. The story is great. Dishonorably The story is great. No. Ooh, he was Administratively discharged. discharged. Administratively? So oh, hold on. Oh, so that must have been a twist. So, at the age of 42... Joe got Hunter a double exemption, one for the age because he was too old. And the other was for the cocaine possession that he got when he was eight, when he was 18. So Joe fights to get Hunter a double exemption to get into the Navy, right? Yeah. Okay. 42. Yep. Got that. Okay. Oh yeah. So he got his prevent his probation. At the same time that Joe was, that was the first story that I talked about with the double standards is while Joe was uh, putting forth co-sponsoring a bill to make the sentences worse for drug possession, his son was getting a six month pretrial intervention and, and uh, probation, no prison time at all. Okay. In 2013, one month after a private white house swear in ceremony. Hunter was administratively discharged for a positive d- drug test the first day, the first weekend of reserve duty. Yeah, so Naval Reserve's at 42. So basically, I don't know what is. Yeah, he should have been dishonorably discharged right away. Immediately, but double standards. Yeah. Okay. Another double standard. Okay. Hunter wanted to go to Yale Law. Okay? So he's going to Georgetown. He graduates from from pre-law from Georgetown, and he wants to go to Yale Law. So, ironically, while, while Joe is a senator, the dean of Yale Law gets a phone call from a very important Yale alumni, Bill Clinton, who happens to be in the White House at this time. Okay? Well, the dean knows that this is a common thing, right? So years ago, he walled off the administrative or the uh, uh, admissions office from himself. So he cannot be asked to do things like this because it's completely separate from him. He has no oversight over them. The administrative office is their own thing, right? So he tells Bill Clinton this, right? Yeah. Okay. So Hunter fills out his application, sends it in, gets denied. People that are close to the dean say that then shortly after that, the dean sat down with Hunter and suggested an alternative path. 
where he would apply to a different law school, get in, and then apply for a transfer to Yale. And Hunter does exactly that. He applies to Georgetown Law. He gets into Georgetown Law. And then the next year, he applies for a transfer to Yale Law and gets accepted. Now, weird? Maybe. Yale's a pretty prestigious school. Hunter's never been known for anything except for his drug scores. Yeah. Nobody is saying that this guy got him in. But ironically, this dean, a few months after Hunter gets in, leaves his position at Yale and gets sworn in to a uh, United States appeals court judge position who he is suggested for by Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Yep. Um, I think that this basically gives most of the information. There's two more stories that I had in here and I needed to look up more information on them before I could put them across. There's one story early in Joe Biden's career where he steals another, another guy's complete backstory. Um, I could not find the details on that and I didn't go through back enough of the book to get back to it. Yeah. And then the biggest one is the one that we are currently in the middle of. So Joe is, Joe is, is when he was vice president, Joe Biden wanted him, or I'm sorry, um, Barack Obama wanted him to become close with Z. Xi, is it Xi? Xi? Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping, yeah. who was the vice president at the same time of China. And now is the president of China, right? Yeah. So Hunter is in this CEFC energy firm he co-owns with someone who works under Xi Jinping in China. Hunter is, I think, 10% owner of this energy firm. And in emails, it says, and another 10% that Hunter will hold for the big man. So it's possible that our president right now is secretly a 10% owner of an energy company worth millions or billions of dollars with someone who also works under the president of China. Yeah, wouldn't doubt that. But it's never going to be released. Never going to be released. So we have a story of double standards. We have... Elitists playing by rules that we would never even have the chance to see. These people are doing things that only benefit themselves, sometimes at the detriment to the American people. We have a media that refuses to hold one side accountable. This is one story of one family. Yeah. But the thing is, on the last 30-some years, even ABC News has reported the lies of Joe Biden. Because this guy's been lying, plagiarizing, and cheating on even exams when he was in school. He's been doing this for years. 100%. I think the thing that was... 
I think a lot of people know that. And they, they sort do? of they do play they? it up. I don't know. And they vote for this idiot? Well, I think that What does that say about the voters? It says that they hated Donald Trump so fucking much they would vote for Joe Biden. That's what it says. Yeah, but if you go through a fraction of this stuff, a fraction. Oh, this stuff this, is this much stuff, worse. Trump, this, Trump didn't do anything other this than stuff, locker room talk. This stuff is a thousand times worse because this shows actual corruption. Yeah, it's this shows real corruption, corruption not yeah. not not bullshitting about uh, you know oh, grabbing somebody in the crotch or 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 faking a faking a speech, right? Yeah. Plagiarizing a speech. Yes. You plagiarize a lot of fucking speeches. This is real systemic corruption that is then seems to be covered up by Secret Service, yeah. possibly by FBI, definitely ignored by the FBI, if not covered up by oh, the yeah. FBI. I mean, the FBI, I mean, that's a shit already. I don't want to lose faith in the America that we see, but I don't see a way. To fix this type of complete corruption and misalignment and misuse of power yeah, without some sort of a big, overarching, violent reset. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think you're right. I mean, and th- this is one family. You've got... It has to be overthrown, but you have to know who you're overthrowing. You've got... I mean, how many other politicians are playing the same corrupt influence peddling game? John Kerry, his nephew, Chris Hines, worked with Hunter on some of these. So do you think they're not doing the same thing? Oh, yeah. The well, Clintons we know are completely fucking corrupt. Yeah. Pelosi's this kid, this senator from this? this senator from fucking New York, this Republican senator from New York, I don't remember what his name is, comes out that he's blatantly lying about backstories. It's on yeah. both sides. Yeah. How the fuck do we deal with this? Because you can't get an independent. An independent, if they lean right, they're going to ruin the vote for Republicans. If they lean left, they're going to ruin the vote for Democrats. Yeah. I don't know. You have to wipe the slate clean, but you can't really do that unless, like you're saying, with a a violent overthrow. I mean, we're no different than like a you know the like a Libya that had to get overthrown, right? Go into pure chaos before you set up a new uh, regime. And our our structure of government, our three tier system, our Declaration of our Declaration of Independence. Sorry, not our Declaration of Independence. Our Constitution. It's the best that's been designed so far. It is, but absolute power corrupts. Hundred percent. And you know, this is basically the Second Amendment is what it's been talking about. So, AI. Oh, what are you talking about? AI now? <laughs> Humans are infallible individuals. Every fucking human you put in place (laughs) for this job. AI should be in the uh, presidential seat. At least my idea of this fucking designed AI that can look at you and say you're full of shit. You're saying using AI to hold the offices accountable. Yes. Okay. Versus the big AI that is going to take over Skynet, eradicate humans. The problem there is is whoever whoever wrote the code 
for that AI is gonna lean the code towards them or their side or whatever anyways or I mean, or if they write have, the ai code intelligent enough the ai code will probably start writing well, the, itself. The, once the ai code starts writing itself then all of a sudden we're doing what did it what, what was it when i did the ai podcast we were doing a thousand years worth of, worth of computer evolution in the first six months yeah but then it's going to try to create the perfect world and realize that humans are you know the problem and eradicate the humans that's the scare right <laughs> I know it's just the logic, you know, though that would be step to creating, you know, a well, the perfect minority world, report kind of the uh, perfect, environment. But, you know, right. Like when you're talking about logics and if ands and stuff like that, like the perfect world has to have a definition. So the perfect world for who? You eradicate all evil. But thing the is, line between good and evil runs through the center of us all. I know. I just the reason like I. I knew a little bit of this stuff. I had no fucking idea how, how deep and dark it went. I had no idea that um, Hunter would be sending his kids text messages. Like, I hope you can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard. But don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you, you give me half your salary. That's a direct text message to his daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, oh, <clears throat> I can't stand those guys. I can't stand that family. And, you know, just. But it's all of them, man. I, the power corrupts all of them. Yeah. I mean, some of the stories I heard from the, the guys about uh, the Clintons, these were, you know, guys that were on duty for the Clintons. And even, yeah, back then. And I can't say that, you know, the Bushes are, you know, innocent or anything no, either. No. So it's, you know, it's. Absolute power corrupts, and that's what happened. How do you... So is there a way that we hold the corrupting forces accountable? Because the corrupting forces, are they are still companies and people, right? Yeah, well, that's what the government was designed to do. Until the corrupting forces get bigger than the government. Yeah. So, I don't know. Are you going to go and dismantle Pfizer? I mean... I think Pfizer is the least of our problems. I think that the elite families that operate the big banks because they have so much more influence than the Pfizer executives do. Yeah. We're talking the Pfizer executives are like ants compared to, you know, the snow plows of the fucking. Um, so you're talking going Federal all the way Reserve. up to the, the Rockefellers and the. Rothschilds. Yeah, the Federal the Federal Reserve banks. Yeah, but now funny. that's worldwide. Yeah. The Federal Reserve has now rolled into the International Monetary Fund, and yeah. it's a worldwide organization. And that's why they want to create a one-world digital currency. They almost have to create a one-world digital currency. Yeah. I don't know. That, that pulls into a lot of different areas. The the problem with uh, if they use any sort of algorithm like Bitcoin, like the blockchain, is you can't just make more of it. Whereas with the American dollar, and I mean that's 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 the international monetary um, dollar right now, right? Is the American yeah. dollar. So what happens is, and fuck, it, I'm not even going to get into this. We make we create more fake money to fund banks to loan money to 
shitty companies and, and countries that can't pay it back yeah. more than we make as individuals trying to pay our fucking bills and put our kids through school. Yeah. Like we are the mass of the people and we're getting fucked every single day. We are yeah. taking, we are dry dogging big fucking hard cocks in our ass by big banks and big corporations and big politics and big tech yeah. every fucking day. And we're fighting to get up on a Monday to go do a job we don't even fucking want to do so that we can put food in our kid's mouth. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're product. We're just farming out and we give tax dollars to those people. Every which way they can think of in legislation to get tax dollars from us. The Department of Defense can't account for 30% of its fucking budget. 40%. 40%. actually, to be exact. Of its fucking budget. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send in my taxes this year. I'm going to be like, sorry, can't account for 40% of my tax money. <laughs> yeah, that was the post I had this week. My story. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I know. But they're not accountable. Who, wh- who holds them accountable? We're supposed to. We're supposed to. That's what our representatives are for, right? Yeah. Where the but, fuck are they at? Also know. getting paid off by the same fucking shit. Yeah. They're getting paid off by Boeing, who's getting under the fucking, under the road contracts for $10 billion to create a fucking shithole golden toilet seat. Yeah. And they're getting, you know, fucking Senator so-and-so here in Wisconsin is getting paid off to not hold the government accountable so that they can get more of these fucking contracts. Yeah. Burn the whole motherfucker to the ground. Unfortunately, that's how you got to rebuild it. Fuck. Well, so. on that note, I think we're good. <laughs> that's a wrap. <laughs>